0: Hi listeners, today marks episode 16 of the Define Normal podcast. This week it's a solo episode. I'm just sharing my feelings on all the recent happenings in the world. Um, as you know, Dante Wright was shot in a Minneapolis suburb and it's been a heavy week. It's only Wednesday, so I recorded this episode this morning because this is what I want to talk about again, it's like it feels weird to talk about anything else, to be honest. And I just feel like, and I mean, as you can probably hear in my voice through some of the episode, I'm just having a hard time processing that this keeps happening. I'm having a hard time processing that we haven't learned anything as a country from Breonna Taylor, from George Floyd, taking it back to Sandra Bland. I mean, I could just sit here and and roll out a list of names. And so. I am struggling to hear another name in the news and I'm struggling to show up for other aspects of life. I mean, it's hard to open a laptop and, and answer emails and, and show for people and just like smile um, when some of this is going on. And so in the episode, I get into what it means to me some of my interactions with the police, some of my family's interactions with the police and just like how it's weighing on my mind. I want to start the show off this week with a quote from Quinta Brunson. Being black is having a good day, then seeing another black person was killed for no reason, then you have to think about that all day or don't and numb yourself. It is a constant emotional war. If you haven't heard already, which I'm sure you have, Dante Wright, a 20 year old black man, was killed in Minneapolis during a traffic stop. I think it's been a long year in the midst of a global pandemic, but it's even been a longer year with the routine killing of black and brown bodies. It doesn't get easier to process. And I have been thinking since the news hit, and I mean, even beyond that, I was watching the George Floyd case because of course, 10 miles away from where George Floyd was killed is where Dante lost his life and it's been hard as it is always to watch the news stories, hear the outcries from the community, um, hear his mother talk about how she was called, like he called her when he got stopped, he called her when the traffic stop happened. And it was hard to hear his girlfriend say like this baby is going to grow up without a father. And there's the importance that a father plays in a child's life. And just to see all of that was taken away from them because, of a routine traffic stop where the police officer who's been a police officer for almost as long as I have been alive cannot distinguish between a taser and a gun. The story has been heavy on my heart all week mostly because as a black woman I thought about my own interactions with the police right like I don't feel like I've always had an innate distrust for the police. I was reflecting on times that I've been stopped um I remember getting stopped by a police officer. I was speeding on the way to my high school job at a restaurant and I was getting on the highway. Like I was driving from my house about to get on the highway. He stops me right before the highway entrance. The road I'm going, the road I am on is 35 miles per hour. If you know me, I drove really fast. I was probably going 45 and I also, I was probably late to work. So he stops me. He asked me where I'm going and I'm in my work uniform. I worked at a restaurant called Tumbleweed and I'm in my work uniform and he asked me for my license and registration. I was a hostess. I never really brought my purse into work. So my purse was in my trunk, um, just like in preparation to go to work. So when I when he asked me for my license, I'm like, I have to get out of the car um, because it's in the trunk. And so there's no stress in my mind. And I mean, keep in mind, I'm like 16 at the time or 17. And so I get the license, even though he questions me of why I need to get out of the car, but there's no pressure. Like the energy is very, he's a white man. The energy is very calm. So I get out, I get my purse and I get back in the car. He knows that I work at Tumbleweed. He actually lets me go. He's like, just slow down. Um, next time in Tumbleweed, like give me a free steak. I mean, he wasn't serious, but he like joked about that and he let me go. Very like non-pressing police officer moment. I also, Remember getting pulled over, driving from Kent, where I went to school, uh, to Dayton, where my parents live. So it's about a three hour drive. And I was driving home and I got stopped in London, Ohio, um, which is like I don't even know what's there to be honest. I've only passed it on the highway. And so I get stopped, it's dark outside. Again, I drive really fast. I'm probably going 80 like in a 65. So he pulls me over. And he asked me where I'm coming from. So this is irritating to me. I'm not going to lie. I have like a little bit of an attitude with the officer. Like A, it's dark outside. I'm just trying to get home. It's a three hour drive. B, I'm wearing a Kent State shirt. I have a Kent State bumper sticker on my car. I'm heading toward Dayton. So I'm going south. So that would be the only point of confusion, right? Like I'm going away from the school, but I mean, I would just assume I'm going home. Anyway, he's trying to make conversation, but it's also kind of accusatory. So, um, I have an attitude. Like, I'm kind of like, what is your, like, what is your point? Like, if you're going to give me the ticket, give me the ticket. And I'm reflecting on these moments with the police, mostly because now I'm in this situation where like, I would never sass a police officer just because I'm seeing, and maybe I was naive to it at first, right? Like, I'm also reflecting on moments my dad's had with the police. Like I've been in the car where my dad's pulled over, been pulled over before and he wasn't treated as nicely as I was treated in those moments. And I remember when I was actually in elementary school, we were building our house and my dad would like periodically come like check on the house, just like drive by, whatever. And the cops drive around my neighborhood all the time. Just like we live in the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio. There's really not much for them to do. They literally just circle neighborhoods and see what's going on. And he got stopped a few times. Like, he got stopped numerous times. Um, at one point, he was asked if this is his house. And I just, I reflect on those police moments because I think it's gotten more intense, or maybe I've just gotten older and paid more attention, but we cannot desensitize ourselves to how many people are losing their lives. Like, it's felt heavy all week. And I was watching the George Floyd trial with my grandparents. So, now that i've been vaccinated as well as my parents we took a road trip my mom and i while she was on spring break to see her parents and that was when the george floyd case kicked off and so i was watching with my grandparents super interesting to have like three generations of people dissecting that trial my mom my grandparents and myself just dissecting that and like hearing what they think and i mean we all come to the same consensus but hearing the hearing them try to convince uh the audience that George Floyd is basically a criminal, right? He's someone who had a drug addiction problem. He was addicted to opioids. He's someone who was irresponsible. He was someone who was causing problems. And it's so interesting, and interesting is not even the word, it's so devastating to hear a courtroom try to convince the jury that this man died because he wasn't in good health and he was addicted to opioids when we all watched a tape of an officer put his knee on his neck and kill him. And dissecting the case, you know, it's hard to turn away from. It's so interesting to hear the different perspectives and the witnesses. They called the eight-year-old girl who was on the scene to the stand, and she just cried because she had to witness that with her own two eyes. And I think it's really hard because life is moving really fast, right? Like we've been in a global pandemic for over a year, We've gone through the phase where we, all, we were all in the house. Now people are getting vaccinated, and I've seen more people in Miami than I have in years. And so we are, the world is opening up a bit, so we've shifted our focus. When George Floyd died, we were all in the house. We were all fixated on the TV. We, I was getting pings and calls and all kinds of things from coworkers and friends, um, associates just checking in and, and seeing how I am. And it was just like an outcry for the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm seeing people obviously are upset about Dante, Wright. But I think at the same time, there is this, there's a different feeling just because we're able to move around again. Like in this week, I felt like it's not really being addressed. And you know, I don't want to generalize because everyone's community is different. Obviously, my black friends and I, we don't always want to talk about this. Another Black person has died. Like, it's hard to digest. I think sometimes just, we don't have the energy to keep having this dialogue. But it's so interesting that, like, not a beat has skipped for some people. And it's hard to watch. I think to be Black in America is not only to be worried about the police, but it's to be worried every time you leave your house. And it's something that I continue to struggle with as these things keep happening. So, have this feeling sometimes where I'm just kind of stressed out. Like, what if someone you love, like, doesn't come home? Um, I mean, it's like, it's hard to even talk about it. Obviously, obviously it's to even talk about, because what this has brought up in me is like, you know, that could be someone related to me. They make these people out to be criminals, but at the end of the day, our accolades as black people don't matter when we're in the, when we're in the street. Like, If my dad was driving home and something happened with the police officer, that police officer doesn't know that like, I mean, and the accolades don't matter. It's like, they don't care that he's a father. He, you know, is, he works for the government. He, um, has a master's degree. Like he is, I mean, it's just the accolades of this man don't matter. The legacy doesn't matter. They can just take a life and say it was an accident or this person wasn't a good person or they didn't comply and i think people don't realize like how heavy that is it's so heavy to think that someone you love's life can be taken just because they're black it hurt it really hurts when people try to rationalize like and obviously not to my face because i don't keep anyone in my circle who would do that but rationalize like they didn't comply they weren't being respectful they didn't do what was asked of them and it's like do you hear and see the way these officers are talking to people? They're not treating them like people. And are we as Americans so afraid of, of black people that we're willing to kill them at just the sight of them? Because really in these stories, I've yet to hear a situation. And to be clear, I don't think there's a situation that justifies taking a life unless I'm seeing that person try to take your life. And if you've seen the film from any of these cases, that has not been the case. So it's very scary to me and honestly brings me to tears that someone I love, I mean, I have I have a whole group of Black cousins that live in Minneapolis, one of which did not live far from where George Floyd was killed. And I just, it's really hard to conceptualize selfishly that people could be taken away from me who are good people, who are my family just because they're Black. And I mean, it could happen to women too, like, we can't forget the Sandra Blands of the world. It's just the blatant disregard for how black people are seen and treated is something I can't get over. I think we try as black people to just sometimes be numb. I mean, if I if we reacted to every single thing that happened to black people in this community, I mean that's truly all we would do. It's terrible the things that are said, the people who are killed, the microaggressions, but seeing these things on the news are just damaging. And I think it's really hard that the world keeps orbiting. So, you know, you're expected to like open your email and go to meetings and show up for people and just be a certain way. And it's like, no, this is really, really hard to watch. I think some people will question, you know, what does it have to do with you? You didn't lose a family member, but it's like, I I could, like, I, I mean... I could these people, you know, what if one of my cousins, what if one of my several black cousins, most of which are around my age in Minneapolis were driving around and during a routine traffic stop, this happened to them. I mean, it it shouldn't take it hitting your personal family for you to understand the weight of this. And for white people, I have to say, like, for my friends, for the people I know, I mean, there's just no question that they're supporting the movement and speaking, speaking up. But I encourage people who feel on the fence about this issue, if that's even possible, people who don't, who feel like it's an isolated incident or they don't feel the weight of it because they're not black. And I don't know what that's like, but obviously it's very personal when you're a black person. So I encourage those who aren't personally touched by it to think about this. Think about the weight of this. Think about how much black trauma surrounds us on top of the microaggressions, the racism that occurs. I mean, systemic racism is just like an issue constantly but then you put this on top of it and it's like it's just heavy. Respect that. Some black people don't want to talk to you about this. Like I mean some black people aren't even talking to each other about this, but it's good to just I remember Penny said on the episode um about the API community when she reaches out to her friend she just says like how are you? It's not always as blatant as are you like what's going on? How do you feel about the shooting of Dante Wright it's more just like hey how are you and the person will divulge what they want to divulge but we have to have grace and we have to have some understanding for black people during this time because I mean I didn't even know I didn't know how it would hit me quite frankly like every time this happens you know you kind of feel like another day in the life they're not going to get convicted and then you sit and think about it and you ruminate for a bit and you're like you see, I mean, for me, the trigger is always seeing, like, the parents, right? Like, like, when we, Brianna Taylor, like, watching her family be like, my daughter was legit at her house sleeping, and now she's dead. And hearing the, the outcry of the of the family and, like, hearing their hopes and dreams, like, you know, that always brings me to tears. But I think it makes me sad that we have to humanize Black people in order to feel sorry for them. Like, at a baseline, the cops just shouldn't be killing people at routine traffic stops. Like, If you cannot get through a traffic stop without killing someone, you should find a new job. I just can't imagine failing so hard at a job and still having a job. I just, I can't imagine that. And I can't hear any justification and it just weighs on me. So spending today's episode encouraging you to do whatever, if you're a Black person, do whatever you need to do. If you need to take some space, if you need to take a mental health day, do that. If you're a white person or a non-person of color, I encourage you to just ruminate on what this means. It probably doesn't feel as personal to you and you know that it's wrong. At least I hope you know that it's wrong. But take some time to understand what this means to your Black friends and, and correct your friends who think that there's any justification for this. Because I cannot believe in 2021 people are still finding it in their hearts to say, well, they didn't comply and they didn't do this. Like, okay, every if I lost my life every time I didn't comply, I wouldn't be alive. So I just don't. And I, I think the same goes for most people. No one does every single thing perfectly. And it's scary that people have this logic that is okay for these people to no longer be here. So I say all that to say, just take some time to reflect and correct those who Are on the wrong side of this. And if you have a black friend that's willing to chat with you about this, as far as just checking in on them, then check in. But also don't be hurt if they're not responding to the check-in text. It's heavy. It's heavy to to share this with people. It's heavy to relive it. Um, So yeah, I'll leave you with that. Those are my thoughts on this week. And just take care of yourselves and your mental health, because we're still in this uh, global pandemic, vaccine or not. And I hope that, we're on the other side of that. And my hope is that we don't have to keep watching this happen and that justice is eventually served. But until then, just know that we'll be fighting and, and that it's going to be heavy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you liked the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.